0: Heat wave number three. Many people here are not acclimatized to this type of temperature.
1: The all hands on deck response from the province to help you cope. Canada's COVID passport.
2: I think it's a great idea, it's necessary.
1: What the feds are doing to allow Canadians to travel more easily. And a shocking spike in sex assaults.
3: So far in July, 16 reported stranger
1: assaults throughout the city. The neighborhood seeing the worst of a troubling trend.
4: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, and thanks
1: for joining us. You can probably feel it. Another heat wave is upon us. Warnings are being issued, and cooling centers are now open in many communities. Grace Key is live in Vancouver. And Grace, the province was criticized earlier this summer for not doing enough to prevent heat related deaths, but the response is much different this time.
2: Yeah, and some of that concern did center around ambulance wait times with the record number of calls going into 911 during that first heat wave that we had. But there are reassurances that we are ready for this heat wave as the province and municipalities get ready for another scorcher. Want to know where you can cool off? Cities are offering places for you to beat the heat. Vancouver has mapped out locations everything from cooling and misting centers to pool and spray parks and water fountains have been activated.
5: This season has really kind of changed some things for for all of us really um, and recognizing the cumulative effect of heat. So we're trying to do a little more in in all the domains of our heat response planning to increase access to, to water and to cooling services across the city where we can.
2: The province is assuring the public that they are ready for another heat wave. This after reports surfaced of long wait times for ambulances and 911 calls during the first heat wave. 569 deaths at the end of June were heat related.
6: More clinicians will be stationed in dispatch centers again to make sure the response you get is the most helpful one. Managers will be working in hospital ERs again which helps people who need immediate medical attention get out of ambulances and into care as quickly as possible and helps keep our ambulances on the road. The chief ambulance officer is also preparing paramedics to do their work in the hotter weather again, taking care of the people, we take care of us.
2: But the province and municipalities can only do so much, so everyone is being asked to check in on your neighbours and loved ones, especially elderly individuals who live alone. Find a buddy, find a buddy system or a couple of them and and uh, help out each other,
0: help people find a, a cool place to stay because uh, it, it is not something any one ministry or any one uh, government organization can do it's something we all need to do
2: this third heat wave will last until sunday and even though it's not expected to be as extreme as the first one people are still being urged to take precautions
7: these temperatures when we issue these heat warnings and then especially when we issue these heat alerts these are significant temperatures for the population in the lower mainland and uh, even if they don't seem high to people based on the numbers they they will cause heat related illness
2: So we're just on Gravel and West 10th, where the city of Vancouver did set up this misting station behind me here. So, again, might be worth it for you to check out your municipality's website to see if they do offer some places for you to cool off.
1: Grace, I bet you feel like running through that thing right now. I know I do. All right. Thanks very much. <laughs> Grace Key reporting for us in Vancouver. We'll bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon now. And you can really feel the increase in temperature today, Christy. When's the peak of this heat expected?
8: Well, definitely tomorrow we're expecting the peak of the heat, Chris. But bear in mind, Friday and Saturday will also be very hot. And when we get that prolonged heat, that's when it's really tough for our our bodies. Here's a look at the temperatures for tomorrow, though: 36 degrees away from the water in Metro Vancouver, but so much humidity that it will feel like 42 in a lot of areas, Pitt Meadows out towards Coquitlam, and many of the other areas across the south coast, as you can see here. But it's not just the heat during the day; it's also the fact that tonight and again tomorrow night we will have very little relief. We may see lows drop down to only 20, 21 degrees, but with the humidity it will feel like 25, and that's the temperature we would typically see for this time of year during the day. So very little relief for our bodies, that's for sure.
1: Kicking the sheets off tonight for sure. Okay, thanks very much, Christy. We'll check in a little later. The heat wave, of course, sweeping over much of BC is raising more concerns about wildfires. Crews are already dealing with more than 260 active fires around the province, and as Imadagahi reports, the extreme heat is expected to make the situation even worse.
9: On a mid-August afternoon, the city of Kelowna is unrecognizable from across the lake. The smoke from nearby wildfires blanketing many areas in the Okanagan. And on Wednesday, the regional district of central Okanagan confirmed six structures are damaged in the Bulla Lake area from the White Rock Lake fire.
8: They're large structures, so um, from there they could be homes or barns or garages.
9: The southeast flank of this top priority fire near Okanagan Lake has been the most active this week. This is check stops on both sides of the communities of Westwold and Monte Lake held strong, enforcing evacuation orders for the fire damaged Paxson Valley.
10: This here town, you know, got burnt out and that pissed me off because I used to play out there. There are more than 4,000
9: firefighters working across the province. Following this week's heat wave, their job is predicted to get even more complicated.
6: BC wildfire is very much uh, concerned uh, and are prepared to uh, to fight uh, fires uh, as soon as they're spotted and as soon as they're reported in.
3: If you can imagine the wettest rainforest you've ever been in, times about 10 that's what we provide, it will reduce the ember transfer down to almost nothing as well as stopping the flame.
9: Meanwhile, a northern B.C. firefighting company that says they can help has equipment in the Okanagan but is frustrated that it sits on the sidelines yet to be contracted by the
3: government. It will make a difference. It will help stop these fires, and it will save many communities.
9: With the destruction to BC's forests now measured at more than 650,000 hectares and counting, it may be time to pull out all the stops. Amadagahi, Global News.
1: Fire officials are urging smokers to obey smoking bans in all parks, trails, and wooded areas. You'd think that go without saying, but here we are. The West Vancouver Fire Department tweeting out a reminder that vaping is also included in that smoking prohibition. Officials say the coils in many of the vapes can become very hot, explode and cause a fire. Smokers are asked to dispose of cigarettes safely and only smoke in urban areas where allowed. If you see a careless smoker, they advise you to report them. A tragic day on the North Shore as a climber has been killed in a fall from the Lions. Lions Base search and rescue was called out after two hikers on the West Lion reportedly saw someone fall after an extensive search the climbers body was located and recovered late this afternoon the climber appears to have been alone and search and rescue say it's a reminder to not go out alone and
11: to let people know where you are more importantly to go with someone else uh, because if he hadn't been spotted just by luck then we wouldn't have known, you know, maybe even for a couple of days that there was someone missing out there.
1: There are no details on the age or identity of the climber. Fully immunized Canadians will soon receive a COVID-19 vaccine passport that can be used for international travel. The digital certificate will include what type of vaccine you received and when you received it. As Catherine Urquhart reports, Ottawa is open to working with provinces to use it as a domestic proof of vaccination tool too.
12: Dreaming of a vacation in Greece? Or perhaps somewhere else they're demanding proof of vaccination? Canadian officials say that will soon be easier.
13: That's a good idea, I think. It'll be safer for vaccinated people to travel.
12: The federal government is rolling out a national proof of vaccination program.
9: I'm pleased to inform Canadians that we are working actively with the provinces and territories on a secure pan-Canadian proof of vaccination for international travel.
12: Proof of vaccination will be digital, involve a code, and be built off the existing ArriveCAN app that everyone coming to Canada is required to use.
9: These credentials will have a common design across all provinces. They will include the holder's COVID-19 vaccination history, including the vaccine types, date, and location.
12: BC's health minister says he welcomes the announcement.
6: We're working to ensure that the details of it, of course, the requirement to have um, information accessible and to have privacy considerations taken into account, all of those things are in place. So uh, the federal government and ourselves are working on it. I'm delighted to hear they announced it today. And, of course, we're very supportive of it
12: this will streamline the provinces. In BC, proof of vaccination is already available. I just don't want people to
14: be confused that they have to wait for this federal document. It will be interchangeable with the BC document that you can already pull off and use to travel internationally off of the BC Health Gateway website.
12: Canadian officials say they hope to launch the proof of vaccination system in early fall, It will be available to all Canadians, permanent residents and temporary residents living in Canada who are fully vaccinated. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
1: An unsettling rise again in COVID-19 cases in this province. And today we have the highest daily case count since May. We have 536 new cases and 3,585 active cases. 72 people are in hospital And 29 of those patients are in the ICU. Sadly, we've had one more death due to complications from the virus. And on the vaccine front, just over 71% of people 12 and older are now fully vaccinated. And with back to school less than a month away, there's a lot of talk about the return to the classroom. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria now with a look at the vaccination numbers for those 12 and up. Keith and why there (laughs) might be some cause for concern there.
11: Yeah, we show the overall provincial rate every night, 72%, as you just showed uh, just a moment ago, 82% for first dose, but we've really never shown the younger age cohort because they have the lowest vaccination rates at all. Of course, they're the group about to return to the hospital. So here's a look at the provincial rate and some of the uh, interior and northern rates, which are quite low. So provincial rate, 70%, far below the provincial rate of 82%, 45% first, uh, second first, dose, just 57.6% in the interior, Forty-six percent in the north. Not very high vaccination numbers at all. It sort of corresponds with some low vaccination numbers for a number of their parents of those kids. We caught up with BCTF President Terry Morin today. Statistics like that, and another one I'll throw at you, 20% of the cases you just reported were school-aged children between 12 and 17 just in one day alone. It's about 300 people uh, a week in terms of school-aged kids who are getting the virus. Not going to the hospital, but they are getting the virus and reporting positive. We caught up with Terry Morin today, and she says it basically makes sense to begin the school year with a mandatory mask mandate rather than bringing one halfway through the year. Here's Terry Morin.
15: It's much easier to implement a mask policy at the beginning of the year and then pull it back as it becomes unnecessary than it is to change midstream. It's unfortunate that this has to be such a a push. Um, You know, in most other jurisdictions, masking is going to be a requirement in the coming year. And so, you know, we want to see that in BC as well.
11: So I've talked to Dr. Bonnie Henry about this. She points out there's ongoing discussions at sort of a round table of different education stakeholders, teachers, superintendents, principals, uh, parents associations, trustees and the like. And they are going to have an announcement within a week or two what the return to school is going to look like. So look forward to that in the near future. Tomorrow, the focus will shift back to the healthcare sector. Expect an announcement from Dr. Henry outlining the new rules that are going to be in place for vaccination requirements for frontline healthcare workers. That's tomorrow.
1: All right. Lots coming up in the next couple of weeks here, it sounds like. Thanks very much, Keith. A warning now from Vancouver Police tonight about a significant increase in sex assaults citywide. Ramina Dea joins us now with more on this and the uptick, Ramina is disturbing. It's happening throughout the city, but there's one area of particular concern.
0: Chris, police say the lion's share of assaults have been happening here in the Granville Entertainment District. Victims' advocates say the numbers are grossly underreported. The VPD says police reports of sexual assaults committed by strangers were up 129% last month. Compared to July two years ago, Granville Street the greatest concern.
3: Since July 1st of this year, there have been eight incidences related to the Granville Entertainment District. Those eight incidents range from uh, groping, unwanted touching, to forced sexual intercourse. Across Vancouver, 16
0: police reports just last month, compared to 10 in July 2020 and seven in July 2019, the disturbing numbers prompting the VPD to resuscitate, the Hands Off campaign first launched
3: two years ago. This campaign brings material that can draw awareness to unwanted sexual touching and it does inform potential offenders that unwanted touching, such as groping, is a crime.
0: An outreach team with Battered Women's Support Services hit the streets seven days a week, two months ago. The team is to make a visible presence in our community. We're in four Vancouver neighborhoods in order to uh, address stranger violence and also to act as a deterrent. The executive director of the Victims Advocacy Group says since COVID-19 hit... The number of assaults have spiked. The attacks more blatant, aggressive and underreported. Most incidences are not reported to the police. The vast majority, I mean, I think it's somewhere between 5 and 10 percent that are actually reported to the police. McDougall says victims are coming forward, but to friends, family, co-workers and groups which help sexual assault survivors. The VPD says it is crucial these crimes are reported so they can be investigated and charges late. Chris.
1: All right, Romina Dea reporting to us in Vancouver. Thanks, Romina. Deteriorating diplomacy. Canada's relationship with China takes another major hit, with Canadians languishing in jails there. The new developments that make our citizens pawns in a game of politics. Next on the News Hour. Goodbye, Lady Rose. After 75 years, why it's the end of an era for a crucial link for coastal communities in B.C. And tired of fighting the crowds at your local community center? The new app that lets you rent a backyard pool for as long as you want, coming up. Right now, though, the Chinese government is putting the pressure on the Canadian government. In the past few days, it's delivered a harsh sentence for Michael Spavor on espionage charges and a death sentence for another Canadian charged with drug dealing. It's all closely linked to the extradition hearing for Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou which got underway this week after years of legal wrangling. Aaron MacArthur has the latest.
10: Canada condemns in the strongest possible
1: terms...
7: Aside from tersely worded statements, conviction the Canadian the government appears powerless to do anything to secure the release of Michael Spavor. The Canadian entrepreneur has been held for more than two and a half years in a Chinese prison, and according to a court ruling Tuesday, he will spend 11 more years behind bars. He had three messages he wanted to send, one... Thank you for all your support. It means a lot to me. Two, uh, I am in good spirits. And three, I want to get home. Legal experts and China watchers agree. The detention and conviction is tied solely to the extradition hearing for Meng Wanzhou in Vancouver. The sentencing ratcheting up the pressure for the Canadian government to step in.
6: By operation of law, the Extradition Act gives the political minister uh, the power to terminate extradition proceedings at any time for no reason.
7: The Chinese government has a history of arbitrary detention as leverage for state-to-state negotiation. A BC man convicted of drug smuggling also had his appeal of a death sentence overturned this week. Canadian missionaries Kevin and Julia Garrett know how this game is played too. They were held in a Chinese prison while a Chinese national stood accused of
6: spying here. I know the waiting is agonizing, and not knowing is really agonizing. Um, and we just keep praying for them. That's all we can do. At this point,
7: it seems as if the Americans hold the power to finally end this standoff. If they drop their extradition request for Hmong, the two Michaels are likely to be released. Spaver's sentence includes a deportation order... But at this point, it's unclear if that is for after his sentence is complete. China is playing its cards face up on the table. Beijing still has one more card to play. Michael Kovrig has also been convicted of passing state secrets. No word on when he might be sentenced. Aaron MacArthur, Global
1: News. A serious accident at a Burnaby construction site is sent a flagger to hospital today. It happened about 11 o'clock this morning. Witnesses say the flagger was run over by a cement truck. Paramedics quickly attended to the injured woman. She was transported to hospital and is undergoing surgery at the moment. Her condition is unknown. WorkSafe BC is on the scene investigating. The area of Hastings and Ellesmere will remain closed for the next several hours. Still ahead, empty shelves and higher prices. We've never seen the supply chain so congested. Why it costs so much to move goods around the world right now. But first, if you're on the move, the right plan to make it as painless as possible. Next
14: delays here in Coquitlam for a two-car crash. It's affecting traffic on Brunette at King Edward where you're down to just a single lane both ways. Welcome to the electric future. Be among the first to reserve the all-new 2022 Bolt EUV or redesigned 2022 Bolt EV. Request your reservation today. Visit chevroletoffers.ca. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, Hype of a Crash in Coquitlam.
4: The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories on Global NewsHour at 6. Brought to you in part by Fortis BC, BC's energy solutions provider.
1: From um, late deliveries to damaged belongings or higher than expected bills, packing up and moving to a new home can range from a frustrating experience to a nightmare. Consumer reporter Andrew is here with more on. Why it's buyer beware when you make that move, Han.
3: Thanks, Chris. Common complaints include damaged or missing items, charges that exceed estimates, and even goods held hostage. The Canadian moving industry is not regulated, and each province has its own patchwork legislation. We asked the association, which represents moving and storage companies, for some tips on how to choose a quality move. Check out Better Business Bureau and Moving Association references. Make sure a moving company has an actual Physical address. Ask at least three movers for quotes. You need an accurate estimate based on weight. Get all promises in writing. Find out how and when payment is required. Ask the mover what happens if something is broken or lost. And get the extra insurance under basic coverage. A mover's liability is limited to 60 cents per pound for damaged household goods. The extra, called moving valuation, is $10 per pound coverage. If you don't get the
15: extra valuation, then you're, you're really running the risk of having something happen. We're human, after all, and mistakes do happen. You really do run the risk of not getting the value that you think that you should have or the item that has broken. It's like the Wild West out there. There is a lot of moving fraud. So you have to be careful and you need to pick a trusted and reliable moving company
3: certainly is the Wild West. Now, since the industry was deregulated in the mid-1980s, no moving licenses are required. The Movers Association says it's in the process of trying to add a few more rules to tighten entry requirements and keep the industry honest. It recommends consumers take photos or video of their furniture and other possessions before a moving company arrives. So there's proof in the event the items look different once they end up at your new home. Now, if goods are damaged, document the defects and contact the moving company. This is also where that extra valuation insurance comes in for your protection. If you get no satisfaction, the dispute can be escalated to the Better Business Bureau or Canadian Association of Movers who will assist in trying to get a resolution. Of course, you can always contact Consumer Matters as well. And if you have an issue for me, you can always email me at consumermatters@globalnews.ca. at globalnews.ca. All right, thanks very much, Anne. If
1: you've noticed stores near you with empty shelves and delays getting new stock, blame supply chain issues connected to the pandemic. It's hitting goods imported from overseas especially hard. Global Zangaviola has more on the problem and how it could impact you, the consumer.
5: The global shipping container crisis began in mid-2020, and with economies reopening around the world, retail experts say it's only gotten worse.
3: We've never seen the supply chain So congested and expensive.
5: The price of a shipping container filled with goods has skyrocketed as demand for Chinese exports has soared. There are COVID-related supply chain issues and increased pandemic safety precautions, all tacking on new costs and creating
12: headaches for retailers. Having to feel like I'm constantly apologizing to people for not having the items in stock when I say I'm going to. It really is. And just staying on top of all the suppliers constantly. Julie Fass has never
5: seen delays like this in the 15 years that she's been running her Toronto store. She says it affects large items in particular like furniture coming from Europe and China. Local goods, too, that
12: require parts to be shipped from overseas. I have some orders that were placed back in May or even before then. And now I'm looking at November, December arrivals, which really cuts it close for Christmas. And I've totally lost those summer sales. It's a problem now, and all signs suggest it
5: will continue to impact retailers into the holiday season, which is make or break for many stores. The Retail Council of Canada says it could force retailers to raise prices when smaller
12: businesses can least afford to. Our suppliers have already started raising their prices anywhere from 5 to 20 percent, to be honest. So uh, we've eaten some of that, um, and I try to eat it as long as I can. Anne Gaviola, Global News, Toronto.
1: Up next, the end of the line for a beloved ferry.
15: For the people who live in the remote communities that the Lady Rose serves, it's it's just a huge loss.
1: The options now for coastal communities losing the Lady Rose, a vital transportation link. And human trials begin on a COVID treatment developed using artificial intelligence.
14: Emergency repairs continue here at the Alex Fraser Bridge, northbound at the south end in the center lane. It looks like they're probably going to end up shutting down the bridge eventually once all this traffic is eased off out of Delta, which won't be anytime soon, unfortunately. Welcome to the electric future. Be among the first to reserve the all-new 2022 Bolt EUV or redesigned 2022 Bolt EV. Request your reservation today. Visit ChevroletOffers.ca. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Alex Fraser Bridge.
1: A young boy is the latest victim of a coyote attack in Stanley Park. Despite warnings, B.C. conservation officers say the incident happened last night around 9.30 at Prospect Point. A five-year-old boy was out for a walk with his parents when he ran ahead and a coyote lunged, biting him on the leg. His parents chased the animal away. He was treated for minor injuries and released from hospital. Conservation officers say anyone visiting Stanley Park has to remain cautious. A key piece of the transportation puzzle on the remote west coast of Vancouver Island is going out of business. After more than 75 years, the MV Lady Rose will end its vital ferry service, linking Port Alberni with Bamfield and other remote destinations. As Kylie Stanton reports, that's going to have a huge impact on coastal residents, First Nations and visitors.
6: This warehouse will be completely filled before day's end.
15: For 75 years, this vessel has been a lifeline. <coughs> Operating every day, taking everything to the remote communities along the Alberni Inlet.
6: You name it, we've carried it. And we would like to continue carrying it, but so be it.
15: On August 31st, the Francis Barkley, formerly the MV Lady Rose, will be tying up for good. The loss of tourism, expensive repairs, and difficulties crewing the vessel making it impossible to stay afloat.
6: To be honest with you, it's probably one of the hardest decisions my wife and I have ever had to make. We're very worried about what's going to happen when this vessel disappears because we understand what the ramifications will be.
15: Being called a huge loss, the ferry supplies remote communities like Bamfield with everything from freight to groceries, building supplies to mail. Even vehicles have been delivered. But it also serves as a form of transportation to more urban centres. Now as news spreads, those reliant on the service are trying to figure out their next move.
10: We've always kind of thought of it always being there. So, you know, it is big news. And so we'll you know have to consider how we move forward. Be on August 31st
15: at the same the vessel is an icon here and a major draw for tourists. This is just another hit to the industry that's been desperately trying to rebound. A lot of people do visit the community specifically to take that ride and it just is, it's an incredible attraction. The only other way to access the area is by float plane or this treacherous logging road. And while the province has committed $25 million to improve it, the work is still a long way off. Officials are now weighing in, saying the service is too valuable valuable to lose. Right now all options are on the table and so a group of people will be gathering to meet to look at other alternatives or solutions not only for the short term but into the long term as well. Sorel would love to see the service continue in some capacity but as it stands its days are numbered and now so are the reservations.
6: We are unfortunately sold out at our 50 seat capacity yeah.
15: Kylie Stanton, Global News.
1: The Vancouver Aquarium will be welcoming back visitors on Monday. Capacity at the popular venue will be capped because of ongoing restrictions and guests are required to book online. Masks are recommended for visitors 12 and older who aren't two weeks clear of their second dose yet. The facility shut down in September as ticket sales dwindled because of the pandemic. In April, the aquarium was sold to an American tourism company to avoid bankruptcy. In Health Matters tonight, human trials are getting underway on a drug cocktail to treat COVID-19 that was developed by a Canadian company using artificial intelligence. The drug, known as SM19, a combination of already approved medicines, was first discovered just months ago by Calgary-based Skymount Medical using an artificial intelligence platform called Deep Drug. It was co-invented by a UBC professor in the School of Medicine. The AI predicted up to 97% efficacy in treating COVID symptoms, and lab
6: results proved it. It's good dual use. It has both very strong antiviral qualities, which target cell entry, fusion, and replication,
0: but it also addresses the symptoms uh, associated with making COVID lethal, uh, such as cytokine storm and vascular leak and a few others.
1: Human clinical trials of the drug cocktail are now underway in Europe and will soon be expanded to the U.S., India, and Brazil. Ottawa is taking steps to protect firefighters from exposure to flame retardants and other harmful chemicals while they're on the job. The federal government is banning the use of some chemicals commonly used in flame retardants. It will also support development and use of safer alternatives – while also conducting research and monitoring levels of exposure to toxic chemicals. Firefighters have long been calling for change, citing research that shows higher levels of chemicals in their bloodstreams and a prevalence to some forms of cancer. Up next, it's like Airbnb, but for backyard pools. It's a saltwater pool and you have access to the barbecue. The app that'll help you beat the heat. And dangerously dry conditions on the Sunshine Coast. And what residents are being asked to do to battle the drought.
4: Here's the Wines of BC question of the day. BC is unique when it comes to growing grapes. What is the term that describes a distinct combination of growing conditions? A. Terroir B. Single origin C. Cultivar D. Terrain. We'll be right back with the answer. The answer to today's Wines of BC question is A. Terroir. BC's unique climate, soil conditions, and topography all contribute to the unique terroir that produces outstanding wine. You're watching Global News Hour at 6
1: gotten so bad on the Sunshine Coast, they're banning the outdoor use of tap water, with drought conditions worsening in that area. Chapman Lake is the main water supply to residents on the coast, and it's just one symbol of how bad the drought is. This picture shows how high the water levels were June 18th. Fast forward to today, and lake levels have dropped dramatically in nearly two months, with very little rain. The regional district is implementing stage four water conservation regulations. That means residents cannot use tap water for garden hoses, sprinklers or irrigation. Same goes for pools, hot tubs and garden fountains.
6: So we're currently in a situation that if no further uh, measures are taken we would not be able to guarantee the water supply if uh, the until later this uh, summer early fall, if the current uh, dry and uh, warm weather continues.
1: And we have a lot of that to get through before there's any hope of rain. Let's bring in Christy now for the latest on the heat wave. We're in now, Christy.
8: Thanks, Chris. So uh, we talked about earlier how rare it is for us to have sort of three heat waves across the South Coast here. Uh, it's tough to quantify that. So what we looked at is the number of days at YVR where we hit 30 degrees or above just to give us perspective of how rare this is. So when we looked at the data, this is all the way from 1896, the last 125 years, we only had 30 days at YVR hitting 30 or above uh, prior to 1925. By the way, we didn't have any. So it gives you an idea of climate change. So the average during that 125 years is 0.24 days above 30 degrees per year, so less than one as you can see. And we often had days five to seven years without any days hitting 30 degrees. This year, We've had four, and we will likely see one tomorrow, potentially see one tomorrow. So that's quite exceptional indeed. This year has been incredibly hot and just gives you a perspective. And now we've got heat warnings in place for the North Coast, Central Coast, inland sections, the Fraser Canyon, the Thompson region, as well as the Shushwap area. Those now have been upgraded to a heat warning. And uh, again, we've talked about, it's not just the heat during the day, but it's also very little relief at night with the humidity, especially. So you can see here, 19 degrees. That's near the water, but it will feel like 25 overnight tonight. And we talked about earlier the daytime highs where it will feel closer to 42 in many parts of Metro Vancouver away from the water. Relief is coming, but it's not until Monday. And at that point, we could see some rain. But in the meantime, there's your Thursday, everyone. So we're talking about mid 30s across the southern interior. We'll likely just see local smoke. We're not expecting widespread smoke, but you may likely see widespread smoke on Friday. So for Metro Vancouver, we really have the hottest day tomorrow where some areas will see humid X values up to 42. Friday and Saturday will also be very hot although we'll see a touch cooler conditions but really the biggest relief will happen on Sunday when we'll start to see a little bit more cloud cover and we're all, we are expecting some rainfall on Monday. That's still days away in terms of us knowing what kind of effect that could have on the fire situation because it will push into the interior as well. But some good news in the long range in the short term though. Uh, get ready for the heat that's for sure. And tonight's central windows weather window is is from steveston this is a little guy trying to hydrate himself and i hope you all do the same tomorrow
1: so sweet all right thanks very much christy uh what's the countdown
10: now 10 days away from the first white caps game of the season at bc place memory serves correct i think it's august 21st the uh, saturday chris uh didn't look like much of a knock when lucas Cavallini left sunday's match in la against the galaxy but Cavallini is down and out with the caps with
13: a knee injury We're planning around six weeks um, without uh, Kava for sure, but.
10: Yeah, there's a but. Maybe it's a good one. The hope is that Cavalini's strained PCL is going to heal quickly. We're going to hear more from Mark Dos Santos just coming up in sports.
1: Also tonight, the coolest new app making a big splash for people who love to take a dip in a backyard pool. Jan Auer in for Squire tonight and notes from the Whitecaps infirmary.
10: Not good, not good, Chris. Uh, evening, everybody. Vancouver Whitecaps striker Lucas Cavallini went down against the LA Galaxy on Sunday and now he is officially out for the Caps until September. It happened near the end of the first half of the Caps 1-1 draw. Didn't look like much at the time. The caps say he started his rehabilitation with the club's performance team, but it's a big loss for Vancouver.
13: You always want to have all of your best options uh, available. And when we start finally to get everybody together in the team in the full strength. And um, even a player like Ryan Gold slowly getting more and more minutes, then you you have this setback. But I think that uh, guys like Brian White, Toss, uh, even again, Christian Dajame could all step up and help the team. So um, that's why we have depth. That's why we have uh, all these options. And hopefully they're going to be able to answer in a moment like that. We're planning around six weeks um, without uh, Kaba for sure, but um, I think he could come back uh, earlier if things go well. You know, it's a player with strong legs. Um, yeah, strength around his knee. so I think he could surprise him and be ready sooner than we think.
10: Mm, fingers crossed on that one. National Bank Tennis Open is seeing some strong performances by our Canadian women. Last night, number two seed Bianca Andreescu was a second-round winner. She was pushed hard, though, by Mer- uh, Harriet Dart. Today, Vancouver's Rebecca Marino was on the court for her second-round match. Marino delivered the upset of the tournament on, mem- on Monday when she took out Madison Keys. The
6: Marino, is going
10: we told to you the other day... Serve. First time that Little she's made it into the second round. So focused on I'll tell you, she's become the upset queen in Montreal, and rightfully so because she is playing some fantastic tennis. She dropped the opening set, six-one, but then she fought back to take the second, seven-five. It good forehand. Of course, Marino reaching a career World Cup high of thirty-eight back in twenty eleven. She retired for five years. Strong advocate for mental health. I'll tell you that. Ranking of hers is going to plummet after what she has done this week in Montreal. She hit 33 winners. Little double break point here for Rebecca. She also played doubles this afternoon. Yeah, and it's hot and humid in Montreal. Vancouver's Rebecca Marino is off to the third round. It's another massive upset today. She takes out another top seed. But Dosa's gone. 1-6, 7-5, 6-4. Doesn't get any easier, though, for Rebecca. She's going to take on number one seed, Arena Sabalenka, tomorrow.
1: we get our first
10: Men's side of the draw in Toronto. Not a good day for Felix oje aliassim or Denis Shapovalov. Both were eliminated today. oje aliassim turned 21 last weekend, but double faults early in his match against Serbia's Dusan Lajevic. Too many unforced errors for Felix oje Aliassim. What get, by yeah, language. what a get indeed. He falls in straight set, 7 5 6 4. Should also mention Milos Ronish pulled out of next week's tournament in Cincinnati due to his heel injury, as did Rafael Nadell. Winnipeg Jets are planning on playing in front of a full capacity building this upcoming NHL season, but there's a catch. All employees, event staff, and fans are going to have to provide proof of full vaccination. True our Sports and Entertainment saying that the majority of their season ticket holders have told them that this is important to them. So no vaccination, no going to a Winnipeg Jets hockey game or any event in their building. And I can confirm tonight the Vancouver Canucks are also looking at similar measures for Vancouver as well as Abbotsford. BC Lions chartered off to Calgary following today's practice. Lions taking on the Stampeders tomorrow night. BC nearly completing that comeback against the Riders in Regina last week. They were down 32-9 at the half, ended up falling 33-29. They did outscore the Riders 20-1 to in the second half. All signs continue to point to Nathan Rourke starting tomorrow. Michael Riley once again listed as limited on the Lions injury report.
6: Mike gets better by the day, but it's slow progress. But, um, like I said, we have seen Mike throw before really well and, um, relatively, um, pain-free. So I, I, I am real careful to speculate, but in my mind I am fully anticipating Nathan to start and I'm going to stick with my story. If Mike plays, it's a bonus. And that's really, really how I look at it, but it would not be out of the realm of possibility that Mike, uh, ends up playing some but I I, we just don't know till he sees our doctor tomorrow and see how that whole process goes
10: so it's going to be interesting Lions aren't saying exactly what is causing Michael Riley's pain Mm -hmm. we do know that he threw a lot of balls in the first week of uh, training camp they've been monitoring his pitch count after that so we'll see what happens tomorrow in Calgary
1: you can hardly blame him because he was off for so long you want to get back into it and you want to chuck the ball but and that's what he did yeah All right, this uh, next story is going to be a good one for you because I know you have a pool. You used to have to jump a fence to swim in somebody else's backyard pool. Now there's an app for that, and that story is coming up next. It's pretty amazing how much the sharing economy has grown. There's Airbnb for your home, Turo for your car. And here's one we all may be a little more interested in given the current heat wave. Swimply can help you rent out your pool by the hour or find you a cool spot to take a dip. Global's Olivia O'Malley has more of what you need to know before you dive in.
16: Point out she goes all of her reservations. Holly Lawson's backyard pool doesn't get much use during the day, with two small children in daycare and summer camp while she and her husband work. So why not rent it out to
15: families who don't have access to the pool? And that way they can either, you know, get a break from the heat or even use it for swim lessons if they wanted to.
16: She posted their family pool on Swimply this week. The online marketplace connects pool owners with locals looking to rent a place to cool off for an hourly fee. The average rental is $45 an hour. Lawson rents her pool for $35.
15: They have access to their own private uh, bathroom as well. And, of course, it's a saltwater pool, and you have access to the barbecue with
16: that. Her pool is one of 55 available to rent in the Montreal area on Swimply. The American company takes 15% of the sale, and pool owners pocket the rest. Based on host availability, it claims renting an underutilized pool can supplement your income.
11: So what you're seeing is these hosts making $1,000 a month, 2000 5000
16: Insurance companies, however, say the risk is greater than the reward for homeowners.
9: There's too many things that can go wrong.
16: Killen recommends that potential renters talk to their insurance provider first before diving into the market.
9: There's a good chance that your home insurance will also deny it because it's technically like for commercial use because they're going to make money off of it.
16: The Life-Saving Society reminds hosts that it's solely their responsibility to enforce water safety rules.
12: I think you have uh, a part of this responsibility to make sure uh, everything will be safe when you rent that.
16: Lawson doesn't allow diving and requires one guest to watch the pool at all times. While she waits for her first booking, Lawson hopes her pool can bring joy to other families than just her own this summer. Olivia O'Malley, Global News, Montreal.
10: We're all thinking know. it, Chris. Yeah, We're all, we're all thinking it. <laughs> yeah. You, you
1: hope you've got a very good filter system in the pool for the obvious reasons.
10: Oh. <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, I do know that Hillcrest Community Centre, which is near me, is jammed all the time. So it might be nice to have a pool to ourselves. You never know. Maybe we'll just come over to your place, Jay. All right, let's check in with Christy one last time for uh, last word on weather.
8: Well, it's definitely the name of the game. Tomorrow is keeping cool. Find a pool nearby, an ocean nearby, a lake nearby, whatever it might be, because uh, temperatures are going to soar. And at night tonight, take a very cool bath before you go to bed to cool your core temperature down. That'll help you sleep.
1: No doubt. And check on the vulnerable, too, any elderly people you happen to know as well. Lots of help out there. We'll be here to cover it. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for watching.